You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week. We hope we are hurtling towards week four uh, as we record here on a Wednesday game Thursday night. Obviously, we've got uh, Detroit going back to Green Bay, scene of the crime from last year when they took the Packers out of the playoffs. But uh, for this week, two words for this past weekend in the NFL. Okay, one is actually a number one. Swift, Taylor Swift, and two, the number 70. Those were like the overarching stories of the league. Obviously, the Taylor Swift thing is a little you know, me trying to be funny. But uh, Alex, what do you think? You hear 70. What uh, what comes to mind? Uh, play Madden, you know, with your brother or your friends and putting up those crazy numbers. That's That's the only... You know, when I hear 70, I mean, that's that's what brings me back to. I, I haven't played Madden in like 20 years, but the fact is I was, you know, I was killing it, killing my friends. You know, I was beating them like 80 to 30, you know, running up the score, um, you know, throwing Hail Marys against, you know, their zone defense. I don't know. It's just like it was surreal, though, just to watch the game. It's like. Like I already mentioned, it's video game numbers. It was the greatest offensive performance from a team that I have ever seen. All right, I'm sure you'll go back and you'll give me numbers. And you've, you've been watching football <laughs> yeah, a lot longer will. than me. I was, I was a toddler last time somebody put up 70. Okay, that's how long ago that was. But I mean, just 10 touchdowns by the Dolphins, no turnovers. 726 total yards I'm reading here seven touchdowns by running backs there's just there's so much speed on Dolphins defense the misdirection plays that we are grown so accustomed to when watching the the 49ers offense you know getting receivers and and running backs in open space you know they're making defenders miss uh, yards after the catch the quick passing game there's nothing really too complex about it it's just trying to confuse the defense and get them moving you know instead of them being stationary and and know who to get and who to who to cover it's so deadly you know the wide receivers on those crossing routes and in this case you know last week it was Tyreek Hill because Jalen Waddle wasn't even in the game he was he was out with a concussion and that just makes it more Mm, you know, more interesting. The fact that they had their their number two weapon out, uh, their second wide receiver behind Tyreek Hill, and they still put up 70 points, you know? Just super creative play calling. And I miss McDaniel. A lot of people didn't want to interview this guy, but the Dolphins lucked out. And just I give him and, and the coaching staff props. It looked like a college football game. That's what it looked like. It was just some team putting up a whooping on another team and scoring 70 points. And usually you would see that type of game late at night, 
know, Pac-12 crowd, you know, it's like USC against, you know, Oregon or something like that, or a Washington State against Oregon State nowadays because, you know, both teams have good offenses. So it's just perfect balance on offense. The And I'm excited to watch the Dolphins this upcoming week against the Bills because both teams have good offenses, but the Bills have a better defense than the Denver Broncos. So I'm excited to watch Tua against Josh Allen. Well, sure. I mean, it's going to be a tremendous challenge for Sean McDermott. I'm sure he's pretty excited about it. You know, I mean, this is, you know, Mike McDaniel now all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden, but he's kind of become the darling uh, of these guys, of this group of coaches where, you know, first it was, you know, McVeigh was the wunderkind. Then it was Shanahan. He get, get his chance. And, and now, you know, McDaniel's getting his. And, uh, and it's all, you know, well and good. And, okay, this guy's a genius. Now, I guess the main thing about McDaniel that I want to get to is primarily the run game because they really weren't able to run it very, very well last year for one reason or another. And I'm sure he probably went back to the self scout and said, we probably didn't even, we didn't try running the ball enough. Okay. And again, we're all can be guilty of being prisoner of the moment. And right now seeing them put up 70, which is, you know, you talked about those other schools. It, it looked more, or like like Alabama, if they had uh, scheduled like Samford, not Stanford in, in Palo Alto, but Samford College, like in, in from Alabama, or just some like FCS school against, it just looked like a complete mismatch. Like we've got all these five star players, you've got a bunch of like three star player, maybe even two star players or no star players. And we're just going to come out and kick your butt all over the field. Uh, it, at a certain point, I don't know if it was the heat. I don't know if it was they uh, maybe have, have already become exhausted with Sean Payton and everything that he's been chirping about. But it kind of looked like the team quit. I mean, I I was like kind of watching both games. And I got to tell you, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug here uh, – Sunday ticket on YouTube TV. I mean, it's just amazing because I can get four four games on the screen at once. I can kind of pick and choose which four. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. So I was kind of watching that game for sure. But then it was just like you got like a running play and you got like eight Broncos players like laying on the ground once the you know as the play developed and it was like, are these guys really this good? I mean, the Denver defense isn't bad. They actually, that's the strength of their team. This is one of the better defenses in the league last year. So is it karma, you know, from Peyton calling out Hackett? Uh, does Hackett have a relationship with McDaniel? You mentioned, you know, Denver uh, in terms of hiring a new coach when they went after Hackett. I don't think they, they interviewed Mike McDaniel. He was a ball boy there. He's from Colorado. That's kind of where he his introduction to the Shanahan's was, being a ball boy for the team and uh, kind of getting to know Kyle that way when his dad was the coach there. But it was just, just hard to imagine that that is possible in the NFL to do that to another team. And, but you've got – you mentioned Waddle being out. I don't know that anybody in the NFL or I don't know, you 
might look at other places where there's really fast guys that are going to put up a better four by 100 team than Mostert, A-Chain, Waddle, and Hill. I mean, in the NFL, nobody's faster than these guys. I mean, it would be more entertaining to see a race among those four than anybody else you could put up against them. So uh, pretty, pretty nutty, pretty wild. But, but again, getting that running game going, that that's kind of the scary thing right now. But let's see how they do in Buffalo this week. And uh, yeah, may, maybe they'll come back to the pack a little bit and only score like 30 this week. So, yeah, I, I'm here for it. It should be a really good game. Well, about the Broncos, just want to expand on that a little bit more. It's kind of crazy that with the new head coach, a team is quitting in September. We're in the third game of the season, still a long season. Yeah, I don't think, you know, the problem runs a lot deeper than Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson actually played well. You can't blame him for this loss. You mentioned that. I mean, the defense laid an egg. It was just a questionable effort. So many missed tackles. I mean, we could talk about this defense being great last year, but there's a new defensive coordinator in town now, okay? Not the one that they had last year. And for the most part, they have the same players, but it's just something is off. I mean, just making mistakes all over the the field. It was on offense, on defense. Cortland Sutton fumbled the ball twice after he got up, like got nice chunks of yards on his catches. And why isn't, this is a question I have. If your best player is a rookie wide receiver, Marvin Mims Jr., if he is giving you big plays every time he's out there, even if he doesn't know the entire playbook, even if you don't trust him to run all the routes, he can just run go routes. Russell Wilson is great at throwing the deep ball, and this guy runs a 4-3. You know, he did it at Oklahoma for three years, and he seems to be doing it in the NFL as well. The best play was when he returned the kickoff return, 99 yards. So there's one guy making plays, there's one guy sticking his nose out there. The special teams actually played pretty well. Why not put him on the field a lot more? He's certainly playing better than Sutton. He's playing better than Jerry Judy. Give him a chance. You know, I want guys that are performing. I want guys that are making plays. That's the point. Even if you don't trust him, again, he doesn't know the entire playbook, screw it. Let him, like, line up in the slot, you know, out wide. Just let him run go routes or post routes over and over again. At least you'll hit some. You might hit, like, three out of six with, with Russ's deep ball accuracy. So I just, that that's a question mark I have for Sean Payton. Play your best guys. This guy's proving it. It wasn't only against the Dolphins. He's been making plays. The, the first three weeks of the season. And it looks like he's eager to prove himself. So I just, uh, you know, know your personnel. You know, look at look on the field. Who is making plays out there for you? And, and give those guys chances. Because sooner or later, you know, I don't know if Sean Payton is going to quit, you know, after October. But it looks like this team, this team, after laying down like 70 points against the Dolphins, this looks like, you know, a 2-15 and 15 team. And I don't think the Broncos are going anywhere. And if that's the case, then they'll definitely start over. They'll eat that money that they owe to Russ. They, they, don't, they wouldn't owe him quite as much if, if they cut him, like, before June 1st. 
So I'm just throwing it out there already in December that there's a big change that might happen in Denver, just just in general. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, odd decisions, well, as far as they be just to kind of button up this, this Broncos thing, I think the whole, I mean, this whole season, I think, is going to be kind of an audition for all the players, uh, especially the way it started. They at at a certain point, I think they'll find their way. I don't think they're going to be a you know like be a contender or make the playoffs, but I think they're going to win some games as the season goes on and as Peyton figures out what's what. And like you said, I mean, you picked out one player, Mims Jr. He'll you know that's a guy that's earning more playing time, and I'm sure he'll get it. But in terms of the strange coaching decisions, and we'll stay in the AFC West when somehow that. Uh, that seems to be a, a constant here, and a couple of our biggest offenders, and our and they are recurring offenders on our show. Uh, how about Brandon Staley? Come on now, let's hear it for him. They won a game, all right, 28-24 in Minnesota. Both teams came in 0-2. This may have been an elimination game, and each team played like uh, they wanted to lose uh, for some reason except for guys like Keenan Allen who had like one of the best games of his life without scoring a touchdown, but caught like 18 balls over 200 yards and was just ridiculous. Herbert, I think he completed about 80% of his, maybe 90% of his passes again, ridiculous, but all that being fact, the Vikings still had every opportunity to win this game and they could have closed it out uh, before the Chargers scored their last touchdown when uh, defensive back made a great play. The ball was in his hands. It was interception. They were going to be up 24-21 with the ball. Maybe he could run the clock out. And uh, I'll take it right near the goal line and scores a touchdown. But, again, let's take it back to Brandon Staley. Now, they have the ball back another time, up by four. They're in their own end at the minus 24. It's fourth and one. The other – Minnesota has no, no timeouts, okay? You're, they need a touchdown. A field goal does them no good. I mean, is there any other coach in the NFL that decides, you know what, let's just go for it here? I mean, that seemed to me like – you can talk about analytics. You can talk about going for it. I'm fine with that. Maybe, maybe even if it was at midfield, let alone plus side of the field. He's at his own 20. You're going to give the team, if you don't make it, give them the ball with a chance to win the game 20 yards away. I That, that just seemed to me like it was a fireable offense right there, especially if they lost. So you figured Cousins, hey, you know, they obviously, you know, play comes in. They didn't run the ball all game. Hey, let's hand it off to the fullback right into the line. Of course, the Vikings stop him. And then the Vikings said, no, hold my beer, Chargers. We're going to make this even worse. And at the end of the game where they're sitting there, you think teams practice this on a regular basis. Situational football, end of the game, no timeouts. We get a first down in the field of play. What do we do? Well, we're going to rush up to the line. We're going to clock it, take a breath, call a play, and win the game. Not the Vikings. It was like 
Keystone Cops. Everybody's kind of looking at each other like we don't know what to do because there's no timeouts. Cousins is looking at the coach, has his hands over his ears like, I can't hear. I don't know what to do. So, okay, I got to play. Let's call this play. And it's like so hurried. And that clock is ticking. They gave away about 25 seconds. And it was just horrendous. And, of course, you could say what you want, that Hawkinson should have caught the ball or whatever. But it was a very uh, high-risk throw in the middle, basically at the goal line. Ball pops up, interception, Chargers somehow win this game. But I don't know why. Now, maybe I'm a little bitter because I picked Minnesota. It was one of my picks, and I figured this was it. But um, end of rant. End of rant. That's all I got, Alex. I know you're going to like this one. Go. I know you're bitter, Lou, um, but I have no words for Brandon Staley. Um, it's just a coach that doesn't trust his defense at the end of the game, plain and simple. And it's interesting when you have players like J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel, you know, you've got Joey Bosa. Wait a second, hold on, J.C. J.C. Jackson, a healthy scratch. Well, like paying, I said, I how much, how much they're him. paying him? Yeah, yeah he just, benched that, him. That just right. really threw me. Yeah, yeah, he benched him. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. You know, you've got Derwin James. You should be able to trust this defense moving forward, and he certainly doesn't because no other coach in football will justify going for it on his own 24-yard line, even when it's fourth and one, even when it's fourth and inches. You punt the ball away, and you give your defense a chance. He doesn't trust his defense. It's interesting. A defensive coach doesn't know how to fix it at the end of the game. He believed that even with no timeouts, Kirk Cousins was going to, you know, march down the field. But it's just no excuses there. That's uh, it's an offense. As far as the Raiders are concerned with Josh McDaniels, he's the worst head coach (laughs) in the NFL. Speaking speaking of hold my beer, I knew you'd be up for this one. Let's go, Alex. Let him have it. He's the worst head coach in the NFL. That's it. I, I have no words for him. I mean, every... You know, he's supposed to be this offensive genius, and I don't think he has any answers. Every player that, you know, Hunter Renfro isn't getting the ball. Devontae Adams is disgruntled. Derek Carr is out of town. He brought in Jimmy G. Jimmy G is throwing the ball away. He's turning it over. The offense certainly isn't working. The Raiders aren't a good team, but the offense is supposed to be his bread and butter. Again, he's the worst head coach in the NFL. I doubt that all the money that Davis and that front office, you know, all the money that they threw at him, I doubt that they get rid of him. But I wouldn't put it past Josh McDaniels by just walking away at the end of the season. I, I think he realizes that the Raiders are, are not a quick fix. He's not going to win here, even with his Patriots players. So I, I have no words there. He is worse than Brandon Staley. Let me just put it out there. He's a very good offensive coordinator, but he just he he can't cut it as a head coach in this league. <laughs> well, there's, there's I guess there's there is some uh, I guess evidence out there that uh, maybe the AFC West isn't nearly as difficult <laughs> as everybody may have thought it was. 
and the Chiefs have won that division seven years in a row. And it just seems none of none of these teams can kind of get it right. I mean, you you know, just from the top of the show, one team's given up seventy, one's going for it, you know, fourth and one on their own end. The other ones can't, yeah, I don't know, can't figure out what the score is. Well, we needed two scores. You know, who's going to tell them? No, you needed a touchdown and two point conversion to get it tied, man. <laughs> the field goal really wasn't wasn't going to help you there. So, uh, yeah, maybe they get the ball back. And I guess the, if you were going to take something positive from this game, is at least Jimmy G was like. Uh, emphasizing Keenan Allen because he had a pretty big game. I mean, outside, uh, not Keenan Allen, but, but Devontae Adams, uh, 13 catches, 172 yards. He scored two touchdowns. He needed that third. He probably should have given him the opportunity to get that third, but you know, the rest is history. And that's why, you know, this, I guess you look at two organizations on the field and it doesn't make you even bat an eye to see what happened at the end of that game. You got the Steelers organization, you got the Raiders organization. Steelers get the ball, they need a first down. Maybe they were struggling a little bit, you know, the past few drives. And of course, they get the first down, run out the clock. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't too hard to see what was going to happen once they did decide for the field. Now again. They did get the they kicked the field goal and then somehow Pittsburgh gets called for a leverage call, which again is a little known penalty. But you can't push down on the offensive lineman to try to jump, you know, kind of push yourself up and block the kick. So you figured, okay, this is now they're taking the decision out of McDaniel's hands. The referees are giving them this gift, and they didn't want it. They said, no, thank you. We. You know, we got to earn this our way. <laughs> out, out you go. But you figure in Vegas, you'd be a little bit more of a gambler. Uh, I don't know. I just don't get it. All right. So let's take a look at some MVPs of the week. Alex, who, I mean, you got a, you got a group of guys or just want to give us your MVP? I'm going to be a little bit different this week. I think I was Mr. Obvious last week. You know, I went with Michael Parsons. I could go with the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel or Tua or the running backs and give them props. But I'm going to stay with the Chargers. And I believe the reason why the Chargers won was Keenan Allen. Justin Herbert had a great day, but Keenan Allen... 18 catches on 20 targets, 215 yards, and he threw a 49-yard touchdown. That's right, the TD pass, yeah. He was, was Mr. Excellent. Everything there. Out of the slot, I mean, this guy just picks up yards, yards after the catch. He's Mr. Consistent. He catches everything throwing his way. He's been doing it for a while for the Chargers before even Justin Herbert got there. Another receiver that was drafted in the third round, out of Cal, Pac-12 school, just want to mention that. Shout out to my Cal Bears. Keenan Allen gets my MVP this week. I'll, I'll go with him. There are many guys deserving, but I just I, I give a shout out to the veteran wide receiver. Speaking of the Pac-12, is it, I mean, it's just completely ironic that this may be arguably the greatest year of Pac-12 football that I that I can remember. I mean, they've had better, like, just individual teams in the past. Obviously, Washington has won national championships. USC has won national championships. But top, maybe not quite to the bottom, but there's at least, like, six teams that are really, really good. And maybe six quarters 
quarterbacks that are really, really good in that conference. Well, I mean, that's just, you know, it's always been offensive football. It's always been known as a conference that puts up huge numbers, that has the offensive, you know, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers. It was always a passing league for as long as I can remember when I was watching it, you know, back in the heyday in the 90s and the 2000s. It was always exciting. I'm glad that you are always watching the Pac-12 because you stay up late. Most people don't, so they don't get to see the, the, the great football games. I'm, you know, it's a shame that we're not going to see it any longer, that the team, the conference has been, you know, taken apart. That's it. You know, most teams are moving on to different conferences, and I'm sure Oregon State and Washington State will find a home pretty soon. It, it, it's a shame, but, you know, so many great quarterbacks that have come out of there for the last 30 years. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks and obviously you know the wide receivers and the running backs that have always had great success coming into the NFL well I mentioned uh, two wide receivers and Alex obviously your MVP being one of them of the week uh Devontae again I mean in terms of just overall play on the field but then you've got like these fantasy numbers you've got like two wide receivers that put up over 40 for for the week so if you had either one of those guys you have a pretty good leg up on the on the rest of your league or at least the game that you were playing so i had certainly those two guys were were in the running for me uh i had a unit the bills defense uh you know i guess the the washington commanders were kind of the darlings of the first couple weeks of the season hey maybe the sam howell's a thing maybe eric Bieniemy's got this thing worked out and he still might but that bill's defense just came in there and said you know what guys not today <laughs> nine sacks four interceptions uh terrell bernard i think second year linebacker from baylor had a couple of sacks fumble recovery interception uh it's it, it was a real deal i mean they really shut them down and it was disgusting and Mike Mike McDaniel, I would I was going to give him the game, be the MVP or game ball winner for this week, but again, it just seemed like it was way too easy, right? So I'm going to go with a guy that I've I don't want to say I've been hyping, but I think from the summer on, I was kind of pushing him a little bit fantasy wise, and it hasn't been like completely smooth. But over three games, he's kind of taken this ball and running with it. I'm going to give my MVP to Jordan Love. Down 17 zip going into the fourth quarter. Nothing is working. The New Orleans defense looks amazing, shutting them down here and there. He's down. No Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson, no Bakhtiari. It's like luckily i mean fortunately for them maybe Derek carr goes out of the game and they're going against winston so they were able to kind of keep the score at bay but love was making plays with his legs made some good passes in critical situations couple touchdowns they end up winning 18 17 and i guess i guess pun intended he jordan gets some love right so let's give it to it mvp of the week for me jordan love if Derek Carr doesn't go down with that injury, the Packers won't win that game. Let's just be probably objective not. Probably here. not. Okay. Well, it's not uh, like they were sc they were scoring a ton 
on a points when he was in there. They got 17 and three quarters. So like, okay, I, I hear you. But yeah, absolutely. They certainly the Saints offense took a couple steps back without him in there. So we'll we'll see if they'll be able to bounce back. Obviously, Carr is going to be out. We'll see Winston in there. Uh, we'll see if the Saints can can get a ride high and can bounce back a little bit. But again, let's yeah, just Jordan Love. Doing some things. He's winning games. We'll see what he can do next week against the Lions at home. Tomorrow uh, night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. So that's Thursday that's, night football on Prime. That's the be game ready. I want to see. Jared Goff against Jordan Love, and then we'll find out what the Packers are, are really I, made and of. I, you know? And I believe the Lions might be slight favors in that favored in that game. One and a half points. You know how I like those intra-divisional home dogs, although they didn't make it on my list of games this week somehow. So, um, But th- th- you'd mentioned Miami-Buffalo earlier, and I did as well. I mean, how do, how do you see this one shaking? Before we get to the picks, how, how do you see this one shaking out? You know, I, I don't know if the Buffalo Bills have all the answers for what the Miami Dolphins are doing, but the one thing that I could tell you is they're not going to be putting up 70 points. That, that's one thing that I can't say. But the Dolphins are just out of this world right now. I think the only thing is I believe that we'll, see, we'll still see a high-scoring game because you have two quarterbacks and two high-powered offenses that are clicking right now. I don't believe that this game is going to be 20-17. to 17. So... With two quarterbacks that are, you know, working their way. Josh Allen is finding his groove the past couple of weeks, you know, after struggling in week one. I believe this is still going to be a high-scoring game, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I, 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 I'm I, leaning towards the Bills a little just because they're at home, uh, but I think this is going to be a very close game. I mean, this is going to be like, you know, within seven points so i just i I give the bills the edge here but if the dolphins want to show the entire world that they have arrived if they beat the bills that's when people are going to start talking that the dolphins are the favorites to come out of the afc they have to make a statement but i i think the bills have a lot to prove as well just because they've won this division the past couple of years they've been the dogs they want to still show that Hey, we're we're the favorites in the AFC East, and it's not those boys from from Sunny Beach. So I still give the edge to the Buffalo Bills just because of that experience, the fact that they've been there, and I think in the end they'll they'll pull out that drive in the fourth quarter. All right, well that's that's one of my games. So I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, more news coming uh, out of the NFL uh, Super Bowl halftime show Usher. Are you in? I, I didn't know that he was still singing, Lou. I thought oh, that he retired. Wow. I mean, I haven't wow. heard from him in a while. Whoa. I mean, what is this? This is like, Shut this is a shocker. Fired. This is a shocker to me. It's one thing to to go, you know, with Santana or, you know, or to go with some, you know, Madonna, even though she's not singing anymore. But, I mean, well, you go I, Beyonce. Well, What's I, going on? Where's that? Carlos Santana's like 80 years old. <laughs> no, what I'm saying <laughs> is it, it's one thing to go with the living legend. I just, I wasn't aware that Usher was still performing and he was still a big star. Why not in sync? Why not in sync? NSYNC hasn't yeah, been performing, there, there was but it a, seems like there was they're getting a thing back where together. maybe they'd have a few of 
the boys band because they all kind of got back together new kids on the block and sync maybe 98 degrees like have them all out there i don't know uh i think as far as usher is concerned i think he's a little bit he crosses over a little bit more i think he's he he appeals to a to a bigger audience everybody i think everybody seems to know who he is he is you know a bit of a sports fan too you do see him show up at, at different games whether football basketball so uh i i think he has you know he does have that that appeal i think once they probably crapped out on taylor swift uh maybe this was the the best way to go but i think he'll put on a good show and then it depends on who he who he brings with him maybe they maybe a little uh you know you go with a atlanta rap scene and uh uh, and Ludacris and Lil John show up too, and they do their uh, their hit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. Just not feeling Usher. That that's all. Okay. If this all was right. well, if this was he the would early, be the headliner in that group. If that this group. was the early 2000s, take me back 20 years. You know, I'm in my 20s. Yeah, I'm feeling Usher. I'm not feeling him right now for the the 2024 Super Bowl. All right. All right, Alex. Come on now. All right. Let's get to the picks. Six and six right now. We're back to 500. We were 500 coming in. And it was two and two last week as well. Uh, yeah, the Minnesota one was very, very disappointing. That looked like we were on the right side and probably should have got it done. But hey, what are you going to do? All right. So here we go. A bunch of I mean, typically I've got like three favorites this week, which is so, so not not my thing. But here we go. Cleveland at home. That defense is playing really well. And I know Baltimore travels well. And typically in the division, they play them really tough. And the, the Browns haven't had much success. But I, I don't know. I just have a feeling this week the Browns get them minus three. So take Cleveland there. Uh, we talked about Buffalo, Miami, interdivisional. I think two is one in four uh, lifetime against the Bills. Josh Allen, obviously the flip. I mean, he's like eight and two against Miami. So I'm going to take Buffalo minus three there. Uh, another game that one team seems to have the other team's number, no matter who's playing. And it's the Saints over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, a little bit exposed the other night against uh, you know, against the Eagles. Now, granted, the, the Saints are not the Eagles, but the Saints defense is pretty legit. We're probably going to get Jameis Winston a little bit, a little bit more of Taysom Hill in this game. Saints are three and a half point favorites, which I don't love, but I'm going to take the the Saints anyway. And then in the game of the week, and you know I would find it, Alex, the stinker of stinkers. The Bears are at home against Denver. Denver just gave up seventy, and they are road favorites. As bad as the Bears are. I think getting three and a half at home, I just, the Denver just seems in disarray playing a second week you know, in a row on the road. It, it doesn't seem to be quite right. And Chicago doesn't seem to be quite right. So just give me the points and I'll take the bears. Um, yeah. I think those are, those are my, my four for the weeks. So Cleveland minus three and a half Buffalo minus three Chicago plus three and a half and New Orleans minus three and a half. So Alex, what do you got for your lock of the week? The Broncos losing to the bears. Have you been watching the bears? Yes. I mean, I picked them. I picked Have the bears to make the, the playoffs. Broncos? These are two really bad teams. I'm taking the points and the home team. Yes. Let's go. 
the Bears have been atrocious. I mean, Justin Fields doesn't look like the same quarterback that I saw in the second half of last season. I think I think that the, the coaches are tinkering too much. They're not letting him play and just be him. Just run the football every time with Justin Fields. You'll be much better off than him, you know, sitting in the pocket and throwing the ball. But if Sean Payton and Russell Wilson can't figure out and beat the Chicago Bears on the road, they should just <laughs> hand over their resignation. It. They should hand over I their resignation on Monday. Yes, yes. Bears Look, win. Let's go, baby. The Bears have two. They're going to have two picks in the top three because they, they have the with the trade with the Carolina Panthers. So they've got the two picks. They're going to be in the top three. They're going to be choosing a quarterback, okay, in next year's draft just because they're going to blow it up, all up with Justin Fields. Um, you know, you you got to write with the Brownies, though. The, the Brownies are the best team in the AFC North. No questions asked. And I think they're going to show it this week. Um, you know, so I like that pick against the Ravens. But I'm picking another AFC North team who is a little bit in shambles. It's the Cincinnati Bengals, but I'm picking them on the road. Yeah, I think they were like uh, minus, minus two and a half minus from two, what I see. Minus two right now. Minus yeah. two. And the reason why I'm picking them is because I saw the Titans game, and the Titans can't do anything on offense. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is, is done. It's time to plug in Malik Willis or Will Levis. Time to find out if those young guys are your future. And the offensive line is bad. Derrick Henry is on his last legs. He doesn't have any openings. They can't get anything done. So even though the Bengals have not looked good early on in the season, Joe Burrow is definitely not 100%. But I'm picking the Bengals to bounce back here in a major way on the road against the Titans because the Titans are just in shambles right now from what I'm seeing. So there you go. Cincinnati minus two. Uh, to go ahead and cover on the road. See that that all it's always frightening. Um, what did you think of? I guess their game plan the other night against um, the Rams. I mean, the, it just seemed like Burrow. He's very limited in what he can do, and obviously they want to protect him because they didn't want to go zero and three. But by the same token, I mean you don't want to like tank the season too if he all of a sudden pop the Achilles and and God forbid and now now they're done for the year. So uh, a lot of quick passes seem like he struggled, you know, at times if he did have to move, does that concern you at all? I mean, what, what do you think the Bengals, the Bengals, or you think they're making the right decision and letting him play through this? I think they're making the right decision to let him play through this just because I don't think they have many other options. I mean, at this point, they haven't gotten off to a great start. And we saw that the Rams had no answers for Jamar Chase, right? I mean, the fact is, I mean, he put on a show. He caught like 12 passes for, I think, over 140 yards. I, I feel like they got to stick with this game plan. They are limited, but I, I, I don't think this, this is not about the Bengals being great. It's about the Titans being bad. That's why I'm going with the Bengals. It's not a team that's coming on and playing well. A lot of people are criticizing them. They're seeing, you know, a lot of people pick them to go to the Super Bowl. And obviously they're seeing an underwhelming performance against the Rams. But 
I'm sticking with them because I think this formula is going to get it done for the Bengals against the Titans. If they were playing somebody else, I don't think I would touch the Bengals. You know, any I wouldn't come closer to them, and I wouldn't pick them until I saw a healthy Joe Burrow. But the truth is, I mean, they had a game plan for Stafford's favorite target, right? Your boy, Nakua. Puka Nakua. Right. That's and right. I feel like they had a good plan in place, and I think they jammed him. They were being physical with him from what I saw. And um, yeah, I think that the Bengals' defense is going to be able to contain the Titans' underwhelming offense. And you still have to score in this league, Lou. Just like the Jets, they have to score in this league, you know? And it, it, it really, like, baffles me when a head coach, he's trying to give so much confidence to his young quarterback, and he is damaging the locker room. He's damaging the team. Like, I just want to cover that for a couple of minutes you know the Jets the defense against the Patriots he gave up 13 points and then the head coach all he's talking about is how they could have done more and that Zach Wilson is still our quarterback how does that locker room feel in there when they go in there and they see Zach Wilson put on another stinker do they feel good about what the coaching staff is saying or what the front office is saying what they're trying to sell to them i feel like they signed trevor simeon and if you plug trevor simeon on sunday simeon without knowing half of the playbook will do better than what i've seen from zach wilson the past couple of weeks you gotta have a plan okay obviously aaron Rodgers went down and the jets didn't have any answers they had to put in zach wilson but as a jets fan you know, out there, you're watching the game and you're seeing Zach Wilson being so limited. This isn't about Nathaniel Hackett calling a bad game. You have to be able to make some throws. You can't be scared in there. You have to step up. You have to make some throws. You have to convince your team that you're the guy leading them forward. I picked the Jets to go to the playoffs. I picked the Jets to win this division. Obviously, it was it was done because I had all the belief in Aaron Rodgers there. Now, it just it looks like it's blowing up in their face. And I have a problem with Sala going in there and saying that basically it sounds like Zach Wilson isn't the problem. But I feel like you have to, you have to show some tough love there. You can't nourish him. You can't baby him. It's time to take him out of his shell. It's time to kind of sit down with him and let him know, hey, you're killing the team. You're not getting it done. I mean, you're not going to blast this guy in the media, but you got to do it behind closed doors. But I feel like the Jets are babysitting the, the little Zach Wilson, who seems like he's five years old and doesn't know how to handle responsibility of being a quarterback in the NFL, of being a quarterback for the New York Jets. That I have a problem with, because how can you go in that locker room and practice and just look in, in the in the faces of those defensive players that are keeping the game close and then the offense can't do anything. I'm seeing the frustration, you know, on the sideline with the running backs who are seeing eight-man fronts, you know, nine-man fronts. I'm seeing the frustration by Garrett Wilson because he was hoping to to become an all-pro this season with Aaron Rodgers, but now he, he doesn't even have the ball thrown to him by Zach Wilson. Stop babying him. We all see the problem. Zach Wilson is the problem. And if you don't trust your quarterback to make some of the simpler throws out there, you got to pull the plug. You got to make a trade. 
you got to sign some quarterback off the street who could do a better job and manage the team because you can't put up with this for, for much longer than this. You know, I, I wouldn't want to sign up for this. So yeah. I just, well, Zach no, Wilson isn't, know. Zach Wilson I, I isn't what, the answer for the Jets. So yeah, it's pretty I, obvious. I hear what you're saying. And they, and they probably privately have figured that out. It's, but he's got to prop the guy up because if they had a better alternative, I'm sure they would have taken it. Uh, yeah, you can look at the list of guys that are, you know, quote unquote, uh, available at Carson Wentz, perhaps, you know, Joe Flacco, who played there the last couple of years, you know, on and off, you know, what are you going to get out of him? You know, who is going to trade? And then the other thing is for these for these uh, veteran quarterbacks, do you want to come in and play behind that offensive line? Do you want like that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be your comeback to, to the league is to play behind those guys? I, you know, I don't know. I wish, I wish it was better. This, I guess this is what happens when you push all your chips to the middle, which basically meant, okay, Aaron Rodgers, this is, this season is basically going to be on him as far as this offense working. Okay. And, and four plays or however many plays in it's over. And it's just like, you know, Jets fans are like, well, of course that's what happened. Right. I mean, that's just the way it happens for for the Jets. And then this week, usually you get Joe Namath in front of a mic and he's all about, you know, hyping the Jets or whatever. And he basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but quote unquote, I've seen enough of Zach Wilson. You got to, I mean, they, you know, so what do you do, Joe? Whatever. Well, trade, trade him to somewhere like Kansas City where he can back up Patrick Mahomes and maybe he'll learn something. Right. But that's really doesn't offer a solution for that. Maybe that's a solution for Zach Wilson. But what is it? Where does that put the Jets? And I hear what you're saying. Anybody would be better than this. And probably you're probably right. It's just I don't know who that anybody is going to be. And I'm sure within a couple of weeks, they're going to throw Simeon in there just to see what happens. And maybe even as soon as next week, I just don't know if, you know, they just signed him the other day to say, okay, you're going to line up against the chiefs Sunday night. Uh, yeah, maybe Mirac or some, by some coincidence, Zach Wilson gets injured uh, and has to come off the field. Uh, but again, they have to elevate him from the practice squad. I mean, Boyle would have to go in. I mean, it, it's a lot of gymnastics roster-wise that they have to do, and maybe they'll do that. But uh, it's just not looking good, and it doesn't look like any of the uh, the alternatives are really going to really help them. So God bless you, Jets fans. It's just been a hell of a ride, and there's so much hope and so much hype and everything else, and it just all fizzled so quickly. All right, gang. Uh, I've got a couple of I, one Homer thing that I have to do, and it doesn't have anything to do with the Chiefs. It's actually Homer of my hometown, Erie, Pennsylvania, and my uh, high school alma mater, Cathedral Prep. There's two guys that are Hall of Fame finalists for this year. Both of them are graduates of Cathedral Prep in Erie, PA. Uh, the great center of the Dallas Cowboys, Mark Stepnoski, played college ball at Pitt and was part of those great uh Dallas offensive lines that won Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson and the triplets, right? And then the other one is the bullet from from the safety position, played for the Indianapolis Colts, was a defensive player of the year, one year, Bob Sanders. And they're both finalists for the Hall of Fame. 
doesn't happen a lot. I mean, obviously this isn't a huge town, but a big football town. Uh, you know, we famously, and there, there's a bunch of guys that have played in the NFL from Erie. And I guess one of their hall of famer would be the Oakland Raider wide receiver, Fred Belitnikoff. But these two guys, Mark Stepnoski, Bob Sanders, congratulations on being finalists. Hopefully, you know, they get the opportunity to get the gold jacket. Maybe not both of them, maybe just one of them. But anyway, I wanted to shout them out. Yeah, that's a good segment. Bob Sanders was one of my favorite safeties out there because he kind of, you know, was a little bit, you know, he was not as big as the safeties that we've gotten accustomed to. 5'8", 200. (laughs) He's about the same size as me, you know, about 5'8". So it was just a linebacker. It it was it was nice to see that. And obviously he he played, you know, safety for Iowa and then had, you know, a a very good career for the Colts. So uh, it was just it was nice to see that because usually safeties that you see, they're about six, one, six, two, you know, two, ten, two, fifteen. I mean, this guy was in the box and, you know, he was he was a short guy, but he was he was tough as nails. And I think he only played like seven seasons. Again, it was just kind of a wrecking ball, you know, hair on fire, all gas, no break, all the whatever cliches you want to say. The dude just played, I mean, played every play like it was his last. And, you know, maybe that contributed to him only playing seven years, but the seven years he did play, he was a great player. All right, gang. So that's going to do it for us this week, week four coming up. We're learning more and more about who's pretenders who are contenders but uh, we got a ways to go so for my pal Alex I'm Lou as always Ooh.